As a believer, reading God's Word is a critical part of your daily spiritual journey. And because it's so important, we've created a unique new resource to help you immerse yourself in biblical truth and open your eyes to all God's Word has for you. It's a free PDF download called The Word One-to-One that takes you on a guided journey through John chapter one. With biblical text and short commentary, each page provides insights that will strengthen your faith in an easy to read guided format. There's truly no other resource like this. Download your free PDF copy today at premierinsight.org forward slash resources. That's premierinsight.org forward slash resources. Hello friends, I'm Rick Warren and welcome to Spurgeon's Sermons. This is the official podcast brought to you by Premier and Spurgeon's College. You know, the teachings of Charles Spurgeon have had a personal impact on my life in a profound way and I'm confident they'll do the same for you. So get ready to be challenged, equipped and guided by Charles Spurgeon who is universally regarded as the greatest English preacher in the history of the church. The Dream of Pilate's Wife, a sermon by Charles Spurgeon, part two. When he was sat down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27, verse 19. First, I call your attention to the cooperation of providence with the work of God. I call it the work of God to warn men against sin. And I call your attention to providence working with it to bring the preventives and cautions of divine mercy home to men's minds. For first, observe the providence of God in sending this dream. If anything beneath the moon may be thought to be exempt from the law and to be the creature of pure chance, surely it is a dream. True, there were in old time dreams in which God spoke to men prophetically, but ordinarily they are the carnival of thought, a maze of mental states, a dance of disorder. The dreams which would naturally come to the wife of a Roman governor would not be likely to have much of tenderness or conscience in them, and would not, in all probability, of themselves run in the line of mercy. Dreams ordinarily are the most disorderly of phenomena, and yet it seems that they are ordered of the Lord. I can well understand that every drop of spray which flashes from the wave when it dashes against the cliff has its appointed orbit, as truly as the stars of heaven. But the thoughts of men appear to be utterly lawless, especially the thoughts of men when deep sleep falls upon them. As well might one foretell the flight of a bird as the course of a dream. Such wild fantasies seem to be ungoverned and ungovernable. Many things operate naturally to fashion a dream, Dreams frequently depend upon the condition of the stomach, upon the meat and drink taken by the sleeper before going to rest. Dreams may, no doubt, 
be caused by that which transpires in the chamber of the house, a little movement of the bed caused by passing wheels, or the tramp of a band of men, or the passing of a domestic across the floor, or even the running of a mouse behind the wainscot may suggest and shape a dream. Any slight matter affecting the senses at such time may raise within the slumbering mind a mob of strange ideas. Yet, whatever may have operated in this lady's case, the hand of providence was in it all, and her mind, though fancy-free, wandered nowhere but just according to the will of God, to effect the divine purpose. She must dream just so and know how else. And that dream must be of such and such an order and none other. Even dreamland knows no God but God. And even phantoms and shadows come and go at his bidding. Neither can the images of a night vision escape from the supreme authority of the Most High. See the providence of God in the fact that the dream of Pilate's wife, however caused, should be of such a form and come at such a time as this. Certain old writers trace her dream to the devil, who thus hoped to prevent the death of our Lord and so prevent our redemption. I do not agree with the notion, but even if it were so, I admire all the more the providence which overrules even the devices of Satan for the purposes of wisdom. Pilate must be warned, so that his sentence may be his own act and deed, and that warning is given him through his wife's dream. This is the way providence works. Note next. The providence of God in arranging that with this dream there should be great mental suffering. I have suffered many things in a dream concerning him. I cannot tell what vision passed before her mind's eye, but it was one which caused her terrible agony. A modern artist has painted a picture of what he imagined the dream to be. But I shall not attempt to follow that great man in the exercise of fancy. Pilate's wife may have realised in her sleep the dreadful spectacle of the thorn crown and the scourge, or even of the crucifixion and the death agony. And truly, I know of nothing more calculated to make the heart suffer many things concerning the Lord Jesus than a glance at his death. Around the cross there gathers grief enough to cause many a sleepless night, if the soul has any tenderness left in it. Or her dream may have been of quite another kind. She may have seen in vision the just one coming in the clouds of heaven. Her mind may have pictured him upon the great white throne, even the man whom her husband was about to condemn to die. She may have seen her husband, brought forth to judgment, himself a prisoner to be tried by the just one, who had aforetime been accused before him. She may have awoke 
startled at the shriek of her husband as he fell back into the pit that knows no bottom. Whatever it was, she had suffered repeated painful emotions in the dream, and she awoke startled and amazed. The terror of the night was upon her, and it threatened to become a terror to her for all her days, and she therefore hastens to stay her husband's hand. Equally remarkable is it that she should have sent to her husband the message, have nothing to do with this just person. Most dreams we quite forget, a few we mention as remarkable, and only now and then one is impressed upon us so that we remember it for years. Scarcely have any of you had a dream which made you send a message to a magistrate upon the bench. Such an intention would only be resorted to in an urgent case. Though the judge were your own husband, you would be very hard-pressed before you would worry him with your dreams while he was occupied with important public business. Mostly a dream may wait till the business is over. But so deep was the impression upon this Roman lady's mind that she does not wait until her Lord comes home, but sends to him at once. Her advice is urgent. Have nothing to do with this just one. She must warn him now, before he has laid a stroke on him, much less imbrued his hands in his blood. Not have a little to do and scourge him and let him go, but have nothing to do with him. Say not an unkind word, nor do him any injury. Deliver him from his adversaries. If he must die, let it be by some other hand than thine. My husband, my husband, my husband, I beseech thee, have nothing to do with this just person. Let him alone, I pray thee. She words her message very emphatically, have nothing to do with this just person. For I have suffered many things in a dream concerning him. Think of thy wife. Think of thyself. Let my sufferings about this holy one be a warning to thee. For my sake, let him alone. And yet, do you know, her message to my ear sounds rather authoritative for a woman to her husband and he a judge? There is a tone about it that is not ordinarily in the address of wives to husbands. Have nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. It shows a wonderful providence of God that this lady was moved to send a strong message to her self-willed husband, to beseech, to entreat, to implore, almost to demand of him that he let this just man go. O oh, providence, how mightily canst thou work! O oh, Lord, the seraphim obey you, but you find an equally willing servant in a wife who at your bidding stands between her husband and a crime. Once more, about this providence, I want you to notice 
the peculiar time in which her warning came. It was evidently a dream of the morning. I have suffered many things in a dream this day. The day had not long broken. It was yet early in the morning. The Romans had a superstition that morning dreams are true. I suppose it was after her husband had left her that she thus dreamed. If I may be allowed not to state a fact, but to make a conjecture which seems to me most probable, she was a dearly beloved wife, but sickly, and therefore needed to rest further into the day than her husband. And when he had left his couch, she had yet another sleep, and being a sensitive person and all the more likely to dream, she awoke from her morning sleep oppressed with a terror which she could not shake off. Pilate was gone, and she was told that he was in the judgment hall. She asked her attendants why he was there so early, and they replied that there had been an unusual clamour in the courtyard, for the high priests and a mob of Jews had been there, and the governor had gone out to them. They might perhaps also tell her that Jesus of Nazareth was brought there a prisoner, and the priests were entreating Pilate to put him to death. Though they had heard the governor say that he found no fault in him. Go, she said to her maid, call to one of the guards and bid him go at once to my husband and say what I tell you. Let him speak aloud that some of the cruel Jews may hear it and be moved from their cruel purpose. Let him say that I implore my husband to have nothing to do with this just person, for I have suffered many things this very morning in a dream concerning him. Just at the moment, you see, when he had sat down on the judgment seat, the warning came to him. When there was a little lull, and he was anxious to acquit his prisoner at that instant of time which was the most hopeful. This weight was thrown into the right side of the scale, thrown in most wisely and mercifully to keep back Pilate from his grievous sin. The warning came at the nick of time, as we say, though, alas, it came in vain. Admire the punctuality of providence. God is never before his time, he is never too late. It shall be seen concerning all that he does, that on the selfsame day determined by the prophecy, the fulfilment came. My soul stands trembling while she sings the glory of her God, whose providence is high, even like Ezekiel's wheels. But the wheels are full of eyes. And as they turn, all the surroundings are observed and provided for, so that there are no slips or oversights or accidents or delays. Prompt and effectual is the operation of the Lord. Thank you for listening, friends. This podcast was brought to you by Premier in association with Spurgeon's College. For more Christian podcasts, sermons, and music, head back to the website premier.plus and sign in for free.